Hello? Hello, welcome to the rest of us. That's right, we're the rest of us. And we're officially started. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to play with that some. See how it goes. Anyway, in the meantime, I've got all kinds of new toys to play with. Right on. So, um, boom. <laughs> so, um, I don't know that we have any follow-up. It's been a little while since we recorded. We've had a few uh, family things going on, and so this has not been a consistent crank one out every week thing yet. Um, but we've talked about uh, issues with uh, church leadership, both the Catholic Church and now the Baptist Church has had issues. We've talked about the uh, shootings in Laguna and Uvalde and in Buffalo. And, and uh, Congress has since uh, come together and passed a, a gun um, uh, registration and, and background check um, uh, nationally. Um, so they did do something, but then there was a shooting at the, on the 4th of July as well. Um, the, and, and I want to address that shooting in the, on the 4th of July, mm -hmm. there were red flags in this case mm -hmm. that this person was, um, actively at least seriously thinking about inflicting harm, real harm on people. Mm -hmm. And, and, this 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 person was able Illinois it happened in Illinois and Illinois has red flag laws and yet nobody in this young man's universe did anything or said anything that got him investigated and yeah. he was putting he was blatantly putting stuff out on social media uh, he wasn't keeping his intent secret um, and and there were red flags in all of these mass shooting cases except maybe the one in uh, Las Vegas a number of years ago where mm -hmm. this guy killed a bunch of people. But the Uvalde and Buffalo and mm -hmm. uh, Florida and uh, now Illinois, there were red flags in all of these cases. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think we need to at least have a discussion about, okay, what kinds of behaviors would yeah. merit a red flag? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, there's several places that have red flag laws. And um, I had found an article a while back. I don't know if we had it when we when we discussed the topic, but um, about the things that actually work that statistically we found work and, and red flag laws are one of the things that has statistically worked. Um, of course, you don't hear about it when it works. You hear about it when it fails. Right. Because that's right. the way the news works. Um, but, uh, you know, it's. I think you're right. I think it's time that we have a good conversation about that. I know that, that um, and forgive me, I don't have all the details right in front of me, but the gun law that the, the, the was passed, I think originally was going to have some red flag stuff in it. I think a lot of that got stripped out. So um, I don't because know the Because we've specifics. been vague about it. You know, right. is, is if somebody goes through a depression, you know, and they're on, they were either hospitalized or they're on mm -hmm. antidepressant medication, um, you know, should they be forever uh, barred from owning a firearm or is what they went through episodic? Right. Um, if somebody is engaged in suicidal ideation versus homicidal ideation, how is that to be handled? Um, you know, you don't want to do anything like if there's your say a veteran comes home and has PTSD and um, is is having a difficult time, but he does like to go to the range and shoot with his buddies. Do you want to have that taken away from him? Cause that could be what pushes him over the edge. Mm -hmm. What are the likelihood? What's the likelihood that this, this kid will be, would then go out and shoot people as opposed to the anarchist in his mom's basement building bombs. You right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it seems to be like there's a window. Um, you know, it seems to be a lot of young men who, who are, you know, basically in despair at some point, and they're having some sort of episode, you know, in their life. And they, you know, they're sort of 18 to 20, give or take a year or two on either side of that, depending on, you know, kind of where they're at. Um, you know, yesterday, uh, he caught a lot of, and, and deservedly so, caught a lot of flack. But Scott Adams, the, the cartoonist behind Dilbert, basically came out and talked about the America's dangerous young man problem. And and he said, and, and he kind of drew p comparisons between the, those doing the shootings and those um, um, 
getting involved with with uh, a lot of drugs and a lot of the people dying from um uh you know statistically i think the, that age group is and then that gender is the largest number of people dying from um fentanyl overdoses fentanyl overdoses as well and he lost a stepson to fentanyl overdoses so he at least in that particular area knows from where he speaks or at least has experience in that area. And um, he essentially was saying, and this was a pretty bleak and sad perspective, that that there's you know only really two options with, with these guys, and that is you know really, really do a good job of screening and lock them away um, so that they can't get the drugs and they can't get the guns and put them away, or step back and let them try to figure it out, and then a, per- a percentage of them is, are going to die. Yes. And that's his... his perspective it was pretty bleak um and but that's that's jordan peterson's whole focus you know he uh uh and i'm not sure from how familiar you are familiar you are with his work not at but all not at all okay so jordan P- peterson for those of you all who don't know is a, a a psychology professor professor of clinical psychology he actually just left the resigned from the University of Toronto, but he is he started talking about and writing about and posting about the despair in young men and what a catastrophe that is um and and especially young disenfranchised white young men so mm-hmm. um and Your typical shooter unfortunately indeed. Yeah, unfortunately, yes, and but not all white, obviously, you know. If, mm-hmm. But they're that they're they're far less now, now far less likely to engage in post secondary education. They do poor; their outcomes are poor in the K through twelve space. They're uh, more; they are the high. I think they have the highest likelihood of just choosing to not engage in the workforce, and so there's disenfranchisement there, um, and they're they very much seem as a as a whole of course this is generalizing but um uh you know they're they very much seem like that they're they've dropped out they're just not participating in the world and the world has put messages out there to young men well you're not welcome young white cis men you know you're a cancer on the society we don't need you stay away mm-hmm. um and if you get that message as you're growing up over and over and over that you are the cause of the world's ills it's at a time, you know, you think about what young men are like. They like to, you know, they're they're active. They like to. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> how do I say this? I don't want to say engage in violence because I don't mean that. But they're they're they'll join the football leagues or they're the they're the ones who will take the 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 martial arts classes or they'll do. Young guys like to fight. Mm-hmm. They have testosterone. They're um, aggressive and and we have always said yep that's young men developing themselves they're be- they're becoming real men they're this is part of their mm-hmm. develop you know their yeah what have growth. we done societally to no longer allow them to channel that in positive ways exactly that's exactly my point mm-hmm. um and and made them feel guilty and um shamed about being men and they're being what evolutionary biology has created them to be. You know, you, you, the men have always been the protectors of the society. And, you know, when, before we, before this modern society, they were the hunter gatherers and that, or they were the hunters mostly. And they were the ones that, that made sure their families were safe. Their families were fed. Their families were, could prosper in whatever situation they found themselves in. And, and now they're nothing but shamed. Mm-hmm. They're told that they're the cause of all the problems in society, which is hogwash. Um, but, you know, you're a young man and you want to do the right thing and you want to have a life that's positive and meaningful. And all of that's been ripped from you. Yeah, you're going to be angry. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not justifying the shooting by any stretch of the imagination. I'm talking about uh, your average young man. Right. Yeah, I know. We're just talking about societally, you know, what are the impacts on on this particular group of people and where are we with it? You know, it's, it's, I mean, you know, we're saying that it's maybe it, it, there is, you know, some socially constructed issues that are here, um, you know, which is sort of what critical race theory says too, that there's some socially constructed uh, things that are causing problems. Right. Um, Yes. You know, and you know, it, it's, when you go by that definition, I don't think it's hard to to disagree, or it's not easy to disagree with. I think anybody can say that you know that that, that because of the way we've we, our society is currently structured, 
Um, you know, it's not like we have some some giant guiding hand saying this is how your 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 uh, society shall function, right? It's it's not it's not controlled. It's it's a an amorphous thing that kind of you know ideas come and go throughout our our society. Ask any educator how many ideas have come and gone over the course of their career on how to properly teach. Um, and I'll tell you, there's the source of the problem right there. It's the educators. <laughs> we're both let's married to educators, the, so it's easy to blame the teachers. <laughs> yeah. Well, being that we're both married to teachers, it's like, yeah, they're the first ones we're going to blame. Sure. Why not? Well, and, and I wouldn't say you're everyday teachers. I would say yeah. uh, education professors at, at universities. Yeah, it's the, the, the folks that are coming up with the, oh, wait a minute. Here, I'll write this this wonderful idea that I've had, and then somebody's going to take it and run with it and put it in schools as if it was like proven and tested. And I think yes. that, that's happened time and time again. Um, but those kinds of things, those type of ideas that that somehow gain hold foothold in in um, in trendy educational uh, institutions, uh, and by trendy educational institutions, I mean your kid's school. Um, <laughs> You know, they, they tend to use our kids as guinea pigs sometimes, I think, for some of their educational ideas that don't oh, always necessarily work out in the best, uh, for, at least for, for, you know, individual kids. You know, um, it's debatable whether it works out at all in some cases. So but. Jordan Peterson's point is that he – that men need to young men and he's really talking to mm -hmm. the the you know youth 16 to 24 stand up straight with your shoulders back don't be dependent at all ever period um you know he's written a a book called 12 rules which basically tells you you know how to how to live a a positive life mm -hmm. in 12 war, war, 12 rules he says i always hated that creepy whiny puppet meaning elmo um because he was he was not a good masculine um, – boys need masculine mm -hmm. uh, um, archetypes and, 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 and role models to be able to look towards, even as little ones. Um, and he also, interestingly enough, believes that happiness is folly. Um, he believes the Hobbesian view of life, which – it, which, if you're familiar with Hobbes, it means that, that life is nasty, brutish, and short, with an emphasis on the brutish. Um, you know, he said mm -hmm. the best goal is to strengthen the individual, and um, and and avoid turning our our sons into what <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger calls girly men. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a girly man. Yeah, I um, I you know I. It sounds extreme in some senses, but, you know, I, I don't necessarily disagree. In fact, quite frankly, I think that that's not only good rule of thumb for young men, but for young women, too. You know, you need to have a, a certain amount of independence and, and, and self-reliance when you go out into the world. And, you know, I see kids, you know, even in high school, their parents are filling out all the forms for them and, and, and helping them with all their homework and doing their projects for them and with them. And I'm like... These kids aren't ever going to know how to go out and do this stuff on their own, you know, if if yes. if, if they're being handheld so much and so far, you know. It's funny. I remember back in the um, uh, mid-80s, something like that, maybe even earlier than that, 70s, uh, you know, when Richard Dreyfuss was sort of coming up as a uh, as an actor in the 70s and 80s and was a major draw in the theaters. And they were talking about how the leading men were now sensitive men. They weren't the he-man types from the past. That's so true. And the question at the time was, how's that going to impact men and, and our society as we go forward? And I think we're seeing that. We've got girly men now. <laughs> so It's true. Yeah. It's true. And I, I, you know, everybody on the planet, part, human beings are wired to want to feel like their lives have meaning and purpose. Mm -hmm. And we have redefined the things that men find purposeful and meaningful uh, into what we're now calling toxicity. And obviously I'm not talking about, you know, the, the rapist who grabs the girl by the hair and carries her off into the whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm talking about your average guy and, you know, his, his inclination is to, uh, want to protect and provide, um, and we've 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 taken that from him. 
Yeah, I think we've almost trained that inclination out. It's not like, you know, don't don't fight back and try harder. It's it's, you know, give up and cry and or, or get so angry you explode. Yes. You know, and mommy will take care of it yeah, for it's you. It's okay to cry. I'm like, well, yeah, but that doesn't mean you gotta you can give up. <laughs> cry yeah, and keep trying. That's not where it ends. Yeah, that's not where ex- it ends. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you know, yes, keep, and keep and I were, we're talking about this, and I can't remember if you and I had talked about this on the air. And for those of you who don't know, Tobin is my husband, uh, Todd's brother, and uh, you know about how when when we were kids, you know, being out by ourselves all day long. You know, you learn how you get, we got ourselves into trouble. We mm-hmm. learned how to get ourselves out of trouble. We learned how to work together. We learned when I say get out of trouble, that's really problem solving. Mm-hmm. You learned who was going to be the snitch that would tell on you, and you learned yes. who, who who was trustworthy. You could learn to, to see those signs in your friends. You know, when when you you know did something you weren't supposed to do, and you you could tell which friend was going to immediately go to their parents, and which one was going to go. All right, well, if we if nothing bad happens, then no harm, no foul. Yes, <laughs> you know? and we and we learned. You know. It, it, we learned how to um, organize ourselves. We learned how to um, get home on, at the right time. We, you know, we we learned how to make decisions and stand on our own two feet. Mm-hmm. We've robbed our children of that. We learned and, the consequences of not getting home on time. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You know, and I heard fam- heard of families every now and then who would lock Junior out. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, you miss curfew, you're locked out. Mm. Now, that was for older kids, not yeah, little that, kids. Yeah, that wasn't my parents' choice. I remember my mom when I was maybe sixth grade, something like that, and I stayed out way past when I was supposed to be home. And she went walk around and she found me, and as she was walking around, she found switches from tree branches, and, and, and she walked behind me the whole way home. Oh, talking oh. to me, telling me how upset she was and how I had screwed up. And as I crossed the threshold to go into the house, I got a swat. Just one. <laughs> oh, man. It stung <laughs> like no tomorrow, you know. And today she'd be put in, you know, arrested for child endangerment probably. Right. You know, um, and quite frankly, I earned it. I deserved it, you know. <laughs> uh, yes, we're not advocating beating your children, but no. – you know, the world is not a, a is not a cushy, loving place. And I've seen, I've seen bumper stickers. You know, create a world that you know where your kids don't have to, you know, have hardship. Well, that world mm-hmm. doesn't exist. I'm sorry. Cars not exhaust is not unicorn farts. Exactly, exactly. You know, and I I agree with Hobbes. I don't, and I I don't believe that um, people are naturally inherently good. Mm-hmm. I think people are not that they're inherently bad, but they're inherently self-focused. Uh, yeah, um, and and that we're inherently to be, narcissistic. There you go. I'm trying to be a little gentler, but yeah, okay, yeah. that's it. Um, and that we have to take, we have to teach them not to be that way. Mm-hmm. And empathy is for for a few for a select few, empathy is hardwired, but for others, it has to be learned. Yeah. Um, you know, and so kids are little heathens. Yeah. Socialization is important and, and we're doing kind of a piss poor job of it in a lot of, a lot of areas, I think, you know, yes. I mean, it goes back to parenting in a lot of cases, you know, it's just, I mean, I, and I'm not blaming the parents of these, you know, shooters. I'm just saying that in general, um, that, you know, when we, when our society switched to both spouses working, a lot and sometimes now working multiple jobs, um, you know, who's raising the kids? You know, I mean, if you're lucky, you'll live somewhere where you've got grandparents who can help out, you know. Um, but, you know, a lot of times grandparents are still working. It's, you know, they don't have all day to sit with kids either. And that's an important job, you know. It, it really is an important is. job. Someone's got to raise the kids. Someone has got to raise the kids. Think of the children, Todd. Yeah, think of the children. <laughs> so um, that was sort of our follow-up. Uh, oh, we did have one other thing, too. We st- we opened up talking about social media and Facebook and Twitter, and they're still cesspools. So, um, we, you know, <laughs> there's, the, there's the follow-up there. Um, so Ukraine war, um, you know, is it, – it, it's still going on. We're in, what, like five and a half, six months now? Yeah, um, and, and th- it, it, there's no end in sight. Right, 
no end in sight. Um, it seems like initially the Russians wanted to just overwhelm Blitzkrieg the country, and that didn't happen. And so now they've sort of concentrated on the areas where there are a fair number of Russian speakers. And uh, so the Crimea, which they had taken right after they hosted the Olympics, and then um, the Donbass regions. And so the, and they've been making slow but steady headway in a very brutal sort of, uh, you know, we're going to win because we've got more bodies to throw at this than you do kind of way. Um, very much a war of attrition. Um, the question, I guess, to start with is, you know, are we doing enough, too little, or is it just right? Are we baby bear? You know, where are we in terms of helping them? What's your thoughts on that? Um, so I've, I've, I don't know. I think that, that, that this will end up in a world war. And the question then becomes, you know, how and when do we get involved uh, to, you know, with, with troops on the ground? I'm sure that we have special forces who are there. We are arming them, but I don't know, you know, at what level we're arming them because I'm hearing differing reports about, mm -hmm. you know, the kinds of arms. Uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal saying we need to send a lot more and be very open about it. Russia, of course, is saying that if the West... Uh, does too much that they'll that will incur the wrath of God, and he has said that those are his words. Yeah. And that um, yeah. The and, the uh, the um, uh, non-believing leader of of right? the, the country says the wrath of God. Yeah. 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 You really think that wrath is going to come our way, you know, Putin? Ah. <laughs> like okay. We're not the one who invaded. I say non-believing. I don't know. Maybe he attends Russian Orthodox Church. I don't. I really don't know. I, you know, yeah. I said, I said, you know, <laughs> but I, I, I'm inclined to, he's, you know, that he was, he was raised in, under the Soviet empire and, right. you know, reared in his career under the Soviet empire, which of course was atheistic. And so I, I don't think he's, he's probably not, I think he worships Vladimir Putin. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, the, the about narcissistic indeed, yeah. indeed. Yeah. So what I find interesting and, and a little scary, first of all, Finland and Sweden have joined the EU yeah. and, and Lithuania. Uh, so there, there are a, a couple of ports that Russia has that, that are not contiguous to their country. One of them is St. Petersburg, um, used to be Leningrad, which is mm -hmm. up in Estonia. And then the, the other one, or next to Estonia, the other one is Kaliningrad, which is in Lithuania. And Lithuania has told the, uh, the EU that they're going to do their part in, in uh, the sanctions and the blockade of Russian goods. They don't want them to go through their country. Mm -hmm. And... Um, the uh, the so Putin's administration has come back and said, yeah, f around and find out, because if you do that, we're going to. I mean, essentially, yeah, you're next. Gonna, you're next. <laughs> yeah, and you know, Lithuania, Estonia, and Latvia were all part of the Soviet Empire, right? And well, I, and, and Moldova's had concerns uh, uh, too because they've got a a breakaway province that um, is primarily Russian. And wait, which country? Sorry, I didn't hear that. Moldova. Ah. And they're right on the other side of Ukraine. They are. So, you know, if they take the southern part of Ukraine, it won't be very hard for them to take the eastern part of Moldova that's right up against the Ukrainian border that also um, has Russian. You know, it's, it, it's as if Russia is telling the world anybody who's, you know, if, if you have a section of your country where there's some some native Russian speakers, we're just going to assume that should be part of Russia. But a generation ago, it was part of the Soviet Union. Right. So, of course, there are leftover Russian speakers. Exactly. And, well, and, and you know, if you go back even before the Soviet Union in the, in the early 1900s and the late 1800s, um, parts of some of these countries were part of the Russian Empire prior to, to that, too. So, you know, the countries that are there don't always have a long history of, of you know, independence or, or knowing where the borders should be drawn, right? I mean— it's it's been pretty much since the fall of the Soviet Union in the you know late eighties um, that that you know the the current lines have existed you know I mean that's it, I'm not I'm not uh, by any means saying that that what you know Putin is excuse me what Putin is doing is is you know a correct move or a you know politically right or it, I'm not making any excuses for for him going in and killing thousands of people. Um, but the history of where those lines have drawn is not 
you know, set in stone. It hasn't been that way for hundreds of years. It's it, those lines were drawn, you know, one generation ago, basically. But how is that different than than Hitler wanting to go in and get the Sudetenland because mm-hmm. there were German speakers in uh, what was then Czechoslovakia? I don't think it's any different at all. Yeah. Um. Uh. And and I would I would put Putin on that level of of monster. You know, to be I mean, I, you're right. And to be honest, it's it's one of those things where I mean, I guess all I'm doing was saying is that, you know, I can understand how somebody who was alive before the fall of the Soviet Union could say, well, you know, our borders were here. We should we should put our borders back. They were stolen from us. Um, I I don't agree with the action that he's taking at all. Um, and and as far as the, you know, the, you know, comparison to to Hitler's moving into other places I think it's an exact parallel and and the justification is very similar unfortunately that's one of the things is if you really look at the history of Europe the lines have been drawn multiple multiple times over the last you know several hundred years and so it's it's easy to justify horrific action by saying, well, I like the lines when they were drawn this way more than I liked when they're, they're drawn that way, right? And that's been the yes. problem with lots of wars that have, have taken place in Europe over the last, you know, multiple hundreds of years. And and I want to give it just a, a, an aside to 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 make this an object lesson. What you what we're talking about, an object lesson. You know, we're in the United States. We are absolutely obsessed with race. And one of the, the races is white, which is it's just the color of their skin. Um, and they, you know, people say, well, there's white solidarity. No, there's not white solidarity anywhere on the planet. And this is emblem. Russia is white. All of the people that they're in the Ukraine. So not the Ukraine. Ukraine is white. So is Lithuania, Estonia and Latvia, Moldova and et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, uh, this obsession with race in the United States is about manipulation. It's about manipulation, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And so I just wanted to put that, throw that in there, and go back mm-hmm. to Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing as a white race. I'm sorry. It doesn't exist. So, um, you know, Finland and Sweden have joined the EU. There's, there's uh, rumors that they were also asking to join NATO. Um, you know, that, that I think is one of those things that, that, uh, Putin has tried at least to Finland to say, that's kind of a line in the sand for him. So it'll be interesting to see what happens if they move forward with that. Well, Um, they have signed on to join NATO, right? but it needs ratification. And I think I misspoke when I said EU, I meant NATO. Right. And Uh, Turkey was the one that was sort of putting their, the brakes on that, but they have since relented and, and voted because, um, one of the rules about joining NATO is it has to be a unanimous agreement that right. that uh, because since it's a joint defense thing, you can't say, OK, well, the six of us are going to help you if something happens. But the other five said no. You know, it's got to be unanimous. Yes. So. So, so you know, I, I think that they will. And I and I I'm actually really surprised that they're not in NATO now. I just I honestly I was, I, too. When when I when I heard that they were they wanted in, I was like, huh. They're not already in, right? I was just, you know, it just I, I, and this is just you know me being guilty of 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 really not knowing Europe as well as I should. I tend to think of of EU member states behaving all together in in almost everything, Um, you know, and they're really not like the United States. They're not a, a consolidated country. They have you know, some consolidated economy stuff, but they're, but they're each still very independent and very. So they are like you, the United States 150 years ago. Yeah. Because, um, you know, if, if you, if you look at, um, how politicians, so people running for president or, or working on the federal level, uh, back in the mid 19th century, how they talked mm-hmm. about the United States, they talked about these United States. They didn't talk about the United States. Right. And that is an that is a very important difference. Um, I actually was just in a conversation with somebody about this, um, that, that Robert E. Lee, for example, uh, was a union general. 
And he left the Union side. He went to West Point. He left yeah. the Union side because bef- before he was more than being a, uh, a general in the Union Army, he was a Virginian. And he wanted to go support Virginia in the right. war. And, of course, he became a very important figure in the Confederate States. Um, and that's how the United States used to think of itself, you know, right. members of the United yeah. States. No, was, that's, I was going to say before you brought up uh, Robert Lee, it was kind of pre-Civil War. Post-Civil War, we came out of it thinking more of ourselves as a single country as opposed to a collection, a confederation of states, right? Right. Um, uh, even though we had tried being a confederation of states initially and decided it didn't work. Yeah, it work. didn't work. Nope. And so, nope. Um, but they, you know, I mean, you look at like the way the EU is structured, it's different than our initial uh, confederation documents were prior to us, you know, creating the Constitution. So... Yeah. So, so one of the well, the scariest parts of um, of what's happening in Ukraine is is, and we've kind of talked about this, is the fact that they co- they supply I think one third of the world's mm-hmm. wheat, and um, you know you think about all the things that wheat is is used, you know, to make. I mean, you know, the people make with wheat, and not only bread, but pasta and uh, and and many cases beer and lots of other staples that mm-hmm. uh, not good that... beer but okay <laughs> i like hefeweizen <laughs> thank you very much but... <laughs> so um you know this is this is and also there's fuel that comes from russia that mm-hmm. heats europe and right now it's summer right the, the the winter will be upon us before we know it and well everybody who's going to... put gas in their tank knows there's issues with fuel prices right now and that right? you know you can draw a direct line right back to the ukrainian invasion yes yeah. um you know the, the gas prices were rising before but they exploded Mm-hmm. Um, once this happened, um, and 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 food prices, you know, we're going to feel the pinch in the United States because, you know, we're we're not what isn't grown in Ukraine mm-hmm. is has to be grown elsewhere. Yeah, and you know, I, w- will it be here? And yeah, you know, well, try I imagine growing, that it try, will go, be. try going to a grocery store and not spending a hundred dollars. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's the prices have already gone up in groceries. You know, cost of living has gone up significantly, and it's not all just this. I mean, there's other things going on too. We're coming out of, although we keep saying we're coming out of, and yet, you know, the the number of infections stays very high with COVID, especially with this new variant. But, but people aren't aren't dying aren't dying as much. But but there's still quite a few people dying every day from COVID too. It's it's you know we're just become numb to it. But that's another topic. Um, you know, but there's lots of reasons for some of the inflation that we're seeing that aren't necessarily directly related to this. But it's one more thing piling on top. You know, it's like the Indeed. perfect storm when you when you you know, I mean, it doesn't help that that our government went and decided to spend six trillion dollars last year. Um, you know, when 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 we, you know, are are facing inflation, um, that kind of spending is just not sustainable. But No, uh, it just makes it worse. You know, speaking you of know. our government, you know, um, uh, prior to him falling off of a bicycle, Biden said that uh, um, we will defend Taiwan. Yeah. Is that a smart thing to say? Is that um, or is that, you know, I mean, is it is it being cagey it the, to, 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 to let the Chinese know, hey, don't you get any ideas while we're busy dealing with the Russians? Well, China, the China is being aggressive in the in the waters around China. Um, they actually, from mm-hmm. what I understand, breach Japanese um, water space, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, yeah. uh, this week. Um, and they certainly, in the South China Sea, are being aggressive. And so we, he just reiterated the mm-hmm. the United States' uh, our promise to the Taiwanese Taiwanese people mm-hmm. that we would have their back. That's been a U.S. policy for. A very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he phrased it a little differently and a little bit more directly than I think that we had as a policy, though. I don't know that we had ever, you know, said that we will defend them. We said we will support them and things like that. And using the word defend implies that we will go, you know, shoot back with them. And that's not. It's my understanding. We said we we defend them. So, well, I think that's part of what we have, uh, you know, we, it's it's part of what we maybe have said to them, but it's not something that our our leaders had politically said or you know publicly said previously. They used they couched it in different language, and so this was 
uh, a little bit more aggressive terminology than than we had used previously. Um, you know, but I think honestly, I mean, I, I asked the question, but my my feeling is is that that you know you don't face a bully by being nice to them. No. You know, you let them know that 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 you know you're you're not going to just roll over. You know, you be polite, you try to be friendly, but but at the same time, you don't show any weaknesses because if you do, they'll see that as an opportunity, and so you need to you know make sure that they under they understand whomever that the the aggressor might be that you know we're going to stick by this. This is something that is important to us. What I what what's what. What I am concerned about, and I don't want to use scared because that's too strong a word, but what I'm concerned about is the United States military is not battle ready. Um, we kicked out all the people who decided they didn't want uh, COVID vaccines for one reason or another. All of those people need to be called back. Mm-hmm. We have, we have um, certainly, I don't, I don't believe that we are ready to fight two wars and we might find ourselves in a position where we are fighting two wars. Um, we are no longer as isolated as we used to be. China is very used to coming to the United States. Um, could could a war be fought on our soil? Yeah, it's more possible now than it has been. Excuse me, let me cough. Mm-hmm. Well, they've been testing um, ultrasonic weapons and have said that they've been successful at it. And we've been testing them, and pretty much all of our tests have failed thus far. And so, and these are are thing uh, weapons that can fly multiple times the speed of sound and um, that means they can, they can get here really quick. Yes, that's you know, a problem. Before we, we have a chance that. to react, things can be blowing up in the streets. I feel like our military is not quite at this level, but on this path, on this trajectory mm-hmm. to, of being the United States auto industry in about 1984. Uh-huh. You're feeling uh-huh. like and we're, we're going to look just as bad as the Russians did when they in, invaded Ukraine and suddenly, you know, we're not the 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 giant scary monster that everybody thought yes. they were because you know the ragtag ukrainians with now the flip side of that is is the ragtags i'm saying ragtag not ooh, i'm sorry i just uh hit a uh key and erased a bunch of stuff on my keyboard uh um, yeah i got it back undo is a wonderful thing um uh, the, uh, yeah, I, I didn't mean to say ragtag in terms of being uh, of of putting uh, Ukrainians down, but rather the, just that they were clearly, uh, you know, on paper not the the um, as strong an army as the Russians, and yet, you know, with with proper modern arms, they have, you know, against most prognosticators' uh, opinions, have have you know pushed back, fought back, um, very successfully. And a lot of that is due to modern weapons and and um, modern strategies, which apparently the Russians, like their tank battles were, you know, somebody had said that they were fighting a tank war from 1985 <laughs> and and against, you know, uh, anti-tank weapons from 2000 or, or, you know, 2022. And, you know, they didn't stand a chance. No. Um, but, you know, I don't think we're that bad off. Because we, you know, the weapons we're giving the Ukrainians are the ones that, that are winning, in in a lot of circumstances. But I'm talking because you know I'm talking not necessarily just about the weapons, although you know our navy is weak at the moment and we need it to be much stronger. Um, our our I'm I'm talking about the actual number of troops that we have, the number of mm-hmm. of um, people who are in the military in general doing all all manner of jobs, so not only frontline soldiers. Oh, sure. Both, both China and Russia, uh, uh, you know, have people to spare. And Russia has always had a, a, a wartime policy of, we don't care how many of our people get killed, we're going to be relentless. Yeah, you know, um, that's their methodology. That is that is what they do. And China certainly, ha- they have, a you know, two million people in their army or something ridiculous like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they certainly have people to spare. Uh, we don't. And so we need to to be smarter and more ready, um, and especially when it comes to protecting the American homeland, because it is possible, not necessarily that it's it's going to happen, but it's absolutely possible that the Chinese could show up on our shores. And so we need to be ready. And we're, I don't believe that we are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I disagree. I don't know that I agree either in terms of just our readiness capability. I'm, you know, the the... The readiness waxes and wanes. I mean, you say our navy is it needs to be more powerful. Well, I mean, certainly it's always, 
you know, I think we need to be thinking about our defense and, and doing what we can, but our Navy is still uh, far and away the, the largest and strongest Navy in the world um, in terms of total ships and of the, you know, the, the uh, aircraft carriers and, um, and destroyers. We're just, we, we outnumber even the Chinese by a large margin at this point. Now, the Chinese have been building like crazy, and um, and that's not to say that they won't catch up. And the things that they're building are obviously brand new. And so, um, you know, they're putting technologies in there that are the latest and greatest. So, so I want I want to say mm-hmm. really quickly that uh, the Hudson Institute, which is a think tank, mm-hmm. um, uh, a former senior fellow and director, Center for American Sea Power, Seth Cropsey, had an article earlier this year uh, where he says. Um, uh, the most important and least measurable of the strengths that will that are useful in war is intellectual readiness. He says that there is no sign that the armed forces or the defense establishment more broadly are intellectually prepared for a Sino-American clash. Um, and 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 I I you know I have to agree. It's been a long time. We've never had except for Pearl Harbor, and that was you know, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. We haven't had a war here in a century. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I can't comment on that. I don't understand, you know, having not read the thing and it really see where he's coming from. I don't understand how is he measuring their intellectual readiness? Um, you know, it's, I, I would say that if you talk to people in the military, they'd probably disagree with you. But, um, but then you could also probably find people that agree completely. So, you know, it's, you know, people are not, uh, homogenous. Um, so, you know, um, I think that, you know, as a country, we need to continue to, to, you know, function on the, on the idea that, that there are threats out there. And thank goodness there are people whose job it is to, to keep an eye out for those kind of threats. And you hope that you've got leadership that both in the military and in the government, since our, our, our military is, 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 you know, subservient to our government, um, that are, you know, not only informed, but, uh, making intelligent decisions to, to, uh, try to do our best to keep the peace and and to keep everybody safe. I I wonder how many people, Oh, sorry, Todd. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just uh, going to finish by saying I, I'm I'm not a hundred percent confident that our um, uh, government is. You know, I, I think the military is probably more ready and in better shape than the government that leads them. <laughs> I guess is where I'm going. Oh, with I that. think that's absolutely true. Uh, that, that is a, that is that is absolutely true. Um, I, I wish. Well. You know, one of the things, the first Top Gun movie, when it came out in 1984 or 86 or whatever year that was, you know, people um, enlisted, you know, in droves because it made it look so cool to be in the Navy, right? I I think that was part of the reason why they made the film. Yeah, the Navy was like, hey, this is the best recruiting movie ever. Ever. (laughs) And so, you know, I think about the second Top Gun movie, Mm -hmm. which is also very, very Cool. I mean, the second movie is yeah. Because now, middle fifty-year-old men are thinking, "Hey, this could be the best career no, ever." But you know, okay, that's funny. But there are young people in it too. It was a phenomenal movie. It was, yeah, it was phenomenal pretty well done. Movie. It was the first movie was was just beefcake fun, eye candy. It was just fun, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a good movie per se. I mean, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, but it's like a bag of Doritos, right? It's not very good for you, but you enjoy it anyway. Um, <laughs> the second, the second, the sequel was was outstanding on every level. It was outstanding on every level. And one of the things that, even with the older airplanes, um, uh, and I won't give up to get too much away, it was still yeah. pretty amazing. And I hope that people enlist because enlistment is way down. The military's right now saying they're going to waive the requirement to have a high school diploma, for example. Um, and so they are really um, oh, maybe. Great. <laughs> and let and let asthmatics in. They're saying, you know, asthma is not necessarily going to kick you out or, yeah. or keep you out. Um, we need people to be to be in our military. Yeah. You. Yeah. Well, I mean, depending on what you're doing, I can see with asthmatics, it's a treatable thing. It's like saying somebody who doesn't have 20-20 vision is not allowed to be in the military. It's like, well, you know, they've got glasses. They've got uh, corrective surgeries. Um, yeah, but our the role of the military, and this is the other thing. Yeah. 
um, you know, the 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 ads about, you know, who what is what is today's military? And they have mm. the transgender person on there. And uh, none of that belongs in the military. Not that anybody, per, any one person should be kept out. But the but the idea of the military is for people to be uniform and to create the most badass, murderous fighting force. And I say murderous, fearless fighting force on the planet. Our, their job mm. is to, you know. Kick ass and take names. Yeah. That's their job. Well, I've, I've, I've not like I'm looking for, you know, recruitment commercials, but I don't remember seeing any recruitment commercials that were, um, at least that I perceived as being designed to appeal to um, uh, people's, you know, gender or, or sexuality. They, they, but I've they seen, did. But I've seen quite a few of them where they very specifically have people of multiple races and they're usually showing like high school seniors talking to their parents about, I want to do this. And the parents were very concerned. Are you sure you want to do this? Do you really want to do this? And then, you know, it's like, yes, I want to do this. I want to serve my country kind of, you know, hoo-yah type of um, uh, commercials. But I always thought it was a little weird with those, that series of commercials that they show the older parents all going like, why, why would you want to do this? Why would you want to put yourself in danger? Why are you putting that in a commercial that's supposed to be appealing to people who are going to do this? You know? Well, but that, you know, they were, that was when we were young and the, the parents' generation grew up with Vietnam. And so that was an answer to that because those ads came out in the 80s. No, I'm like saying those ads 90s. are running right now. That's the, the series of ads that are running on, on, on the like Discovery Channel and the science. By the way, the commercials you see change a lot depending on which channel you're watching too. That's true. Uh, That's but, very true. Yeah, but um, I if if I'm watching broadcast television, it tends to be either a uh, sports program. Um, but right now it's baseball because there's no basketball or football going on, um, and they almost always have at least one military commercial in a game, if not multiple. Um, and then, like Discovery Channel, History Channel, Science Channel, those are the things that I might watch if I'm watching. I tend to watch more streaming stuff than anything. But and and on those channels, those are the commercials that are running right now, and they're modern ones. They're not old ones. They're brand new ones that have been cut with, you know, because you'll see the kid like sitting and working with technology, and and it's like, oh, you know, the military can pay for your education and help you. Right. You know? um, and but it's the kid explaining everything to the very worried and somewhat dumb parent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I've seen some T-shirts that I really really like um, that are friends of mine who are in the Mar in the Marines or have retired from the Marines. Um, you know, the best friend you ever ever have and the worst enemy you'll ever have. You know, United States Marine Corps. I yeah. thought, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because that's how they that's 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 who they are. Yeah. That's well, especially job. the Marines. Yes. You know, I mean, they're they proudly say we're the first to fight. You know, and, yes. and it takes a special mindset and a special person and it takes training. I mean, it just, you know, those people work hard to learn to do that, to be the first to fight, you know, and, you know, God bless them. Indeed. So, um, uh, you know, we left Afghanistan uh at the real early in oh. the Biden uh, administration, in in the worst way possible, and and now we're sort of in a proxy war in Ukraine. Um, you know, the you you got to kind of ask. You know, can we ever not be actually fighting? It seems like we're you know, I mean, we're technically not fighting, and yet, you know, there are we're we're clearly involved in Ukraine as well. You know, well, and I we're mean, sending them millions of dollars worth of weapons. We kind of made a deal with um, the world, for lack of a better uh, mm -hmm. uh, description, after World War II. Um, yeah. You know, we that we said, okay, world, you don't have to have your own military. We'll take care of it for you. Yeah. And We've we kind spent of been American. The yeah, we spent the American tax dollars to to create uh, new economies in countries where we had. We had war, and you look in Japan, you look at Korea, you look of you look at Europe, especially Germany, and it was American tax dollars that re that rebuilt those cities in those um, yeah. those countries, and so um, you know that's the role that we've had. And I right, and we've I, been the world police. We have been. You know, in fact, it's funny. The follow on question that we had in our in our uh, rundown was: Should we be using our army and arms to be the world police? And if we don't, who will? Right. You know who will? Russians and Chinese. Exactly. <clears throat> and, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. So if you don't have 
and I know the United States isn't perfect. This isn't black and white, but I, you know, if you don't have forces for good um, out there being, you know, out there in that space, flexing their muscle, then you're going to have forces for evil. Mm-hmm. You know, people often talk about how the United States is imperialistic and certainly have been at different points um, in in our existence. But, you know, if you, you can look around the world and see places that we've, quote unquote, conquered that are thriving with their own governance, thriving with their own economies, thriving with their Mm -hmm. own priorities. Again, Korea, Japan, and Germany, and the rest of Europe. Um, And so we're not, you know, I think that if you're going to say who's going to be in that, who's the best country to be in that space, it's us. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's we. It's another thing that you know socially we we've somehow you know tried to paint ourselves. We used to say you know, hey, we're the America land of the free, and and when we go into some place that's that where we're trying to to put down uprisings and war and killings and and famine and you know what we're trying to do is then set up a government that allows those people to govern themselves, and and comparatively, historically. When you dominated some other country, you would come in and set up a government and say, and we will govern you now. And we've tried not to do that. You know, now we've not always been successful, but we've tried to do that. And too often, I think, you know, the conversation back home has become, you know, um, one of, you know, we are somehow bad and evil because we, we have not been successful always. But I think that the intent counts, you know, it really does. And, and so we, we do our best to move forward. There's, you know, there needs to be a little bit, and this is, I mean, I'm no, I'm no uh, Trump fan or Trump apologist, but there needs to be a little bit of chest thumping and saying, you know, um, uh, you know, I'm from the United States of America and we're not perfect, but by golly, I'm better, I'm better off being from here than anywhere else, you know, have a little pride, um, you know, cause I think that yes. we, we've lost a little bit of that. Now there are some who would who would point to incursions into Central and South America where we we didn't necessarily behave the best we could, and that is that is a hundred percent true. There yeah, we behaved we're badly. Perfect. We're not perfect. Yeah. Um, but as a whole, um, the United States is is a very significant force for good. Yep, I agree. I agree. You know, and and it's again, we're not perfect, but I think we're better than the alternatives. In a lot of ways. Um, so well, why don't we end on that note? We're about out of time. We are. We're wrapping it up here. I was going to say the same thing. It's like we, <laughs> we, are, we, we did a lot of follow-up on the front end, so we didn't get through all of the, the, the pending questions um, regarding the Ukraine. But I think we talked about the issue um, significantly. Um, you know, but I, I, you know, I guess I, I, if, if I were to sum up sort of what we've said, I think we both sort of agree that we need to be there supporting Ukraine, but we kind of agree that, that, that we've got to be careful and balance how much we're supporting Ukraine. Because if we, um, if the Russians feel, or Putin particularly feels like he's now been put in a bad, uh, in a tenuous position, he will start shooting at us and anybody in order to, to, Indeed to distract from, from what's going on in Ukraine. And so we've got to walk a tightrope there. Indeed. So anyway, thanks for joining us, everybody. And we'll uh, try to be a little bit more consistent. We'll try to be back next week. Hmm? <laughs> and why Maybe. don't we introduce ourselves? I don't know that we did that. I'm Aaron Brinker. And I'm Todd Brinker. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I just stopped. And I'm Todd Brinker. So cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll stop it there. So, um, <laughs>